This podcast is sponsored by Active Skin Repair, a skin health company helping people heal with natural, non-toxic, medical-grade ingredients. So as the weather warms up, we're outside gardening or doing yard work. There are so many opportunities for skin issues, right? And for me, it's always a mystery to know what's going to irritate my skin, but I'm definitely out there itching and scratching. But the good news is active skin repair always seems to save the day. Active skin repair can be used to treat a wide range of skin issues, including cuts, scrapes, burns, sunburns, rashes, and other types of skin damage. It's also safe and non-toxic, making it suitable for use on all skin types, all parts of the body, and even on rosacea, eczema, and acne-prone skin. Here's what I want you to do. Visit ActiveSkinRepair.com to learn more about Active Skin Repair and get 20% off your order when you use code JOYFUL. Again, that's www.ActiveSkinRepair.com. Find out more about the product and get 20% off your order when you use the code JOYFUL. Hello, hello, my friends. Welcome back to Joyful Courage, a conscious parenting podcast where we tease apart the challenges and nuances of parenting through the adolescent years. I am your host, Casey O'Rourke, positive discipline trainer, parent coach, and adolescent lead at Sproutable, where we celebrate not only the growth of children, but also the journey and evolution that we all get to go through as parents. This is a place where we keep it real. Real stories, real parenting. The teen years are real messy and there aren't many right answers. But the more we trust ourselves and trust our teens, the better the outcomes can be. The parenting we talk about over here is relationship-centered. You won't find a lot of talk about punishment, consequences, or rewards. What you will hear is a lot of encouragement about connection, curiosity, and life skill development. Our teens are on their own journey. And while we get to walk next to them for a bit, we don't get to walk for them. Their work is to learn from the tension of their life. Our work is to support them and love them along the way. I'm so glad you're here. Enjoy the show. Hey, everybody. I am so excited to introduce my guest today. Kimberly Beam Holmes has her master's degree in psychology and for over the last 10 years has been the acting CEO of Marriage Helper and CEO and creator of Pies University, being a wife and mother herself and researching the ways that attraction affects people personally and the relationships that they hold dear. Her videos, podcasts, and following reach over 200,000 people a month who are making changes and becoming the best they can be. She is currently working on her PhD in psychology, and I'm real excited to talk to her today. Hi, Kimberly. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much for having me, Casey. I am thrilled to be speaking with you. So listeners, I was telling Kimberly as she came on that I feel like I've already spent most of the day with her today because I've put away a few of her podcasts this morning and prepping for the show. I'm really excited to talk about our partner relationships with you today, Kimberly. I think there's a lot of conversation about how the early years of parenting can be hard on a couple. 
But mm-hmm. let's talk about how the teen years can also mm. find us at odds with our partner. And it's come up in some of my community work, in my client work. So I'm excited to go there. But before we do, tell us a little bit more about your story of doing what you do. Yeah. The best way to understand my story and how I got involved with Marriage Helper is to really understand how Marriage Helper even started. So it was back in the 1980s, before Marriage Helper was ever around, that our founder, Dr. Joe Beam, the long story short of it, he was a very successful speaker. And he was so successful, his speaking schedule was booked five years out. Oh, man. Goals. Speaker goals. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Well, the next part, though, is that he ended up having an affair, divorcing his wife, leaving his two kids who were seven and 12 at the time, and they were divorced for three years. And he went from being this incredibly successful man to being an alcoholic, drug addict, homeless, sleeping in the back of his car, bankrupt. Wow. And turned into a person he didn't even know anymore. And after those three years of him experiencing that, he realized, I want my family back. I've done the wrong thing. I want to try and restore this. And so he went back to his ex-wife and asked if she would take him back. And everyone in her life told her not to do it. But she said, I knew in my heart that Joe was a good man who had done several bad things, but we deserved to give this marriage a second chance. So they remarried almost divorced again because they hadn't actually fixed the problems from Mm -hmm. the first marriage, but they were committed this time to fixing it. And so they did, they learned how to fall back in love with each other. And as a celebration of that second marriage, they decided to have a third daughter who is me. So I tell everyone I owe my life to two people who were willing to fight to make it work. Otherwise, I wouldn't be here. And then 10 or 12 years after they remarried, my dad once again had gotten back into speaking and things, but really felt unfulfilled. And so in 1999, he and my mom said, what can we do to help couples and families not have to experience the pain that we did? And that was the origination of Marriage Helper. Oh, man. So what I love about that story is it's such an example of how like what unfolds in our lives, including the choices that we make and the decisions we make, mm-hmm. can move us in the direction of such a powerful purpose. Mm-hmm. And I see that in that story for your parents. Yeah. And I love that they used that to now be in the work of supporting others. And now you're in the work too. Yeah, absolutely. Wow. It's very powerful. And what's even more amazing is because of their testimony, of their story, of what they went through. We attract people who are that hopeless, who Mm. hear that and think, maybe I can do this too. And so now we have thousands of stories that are like that of other people that this has just trickled into their lives and changed their families for forever. So it's amazing work. Well, I come from a family of divorce. So my parents split when I was five. My little brother was three. We call ourselves the OGs. We're the original kids of the family. My mom remarried when I was seven and had my sister. My dad remarried when I was 10. And they eventually had my other sister and my littlest brother came my first year of college. So I'm the oldest of five in this kind of wild, puzzled family. And it was just my normal. 
right? It was just my normal. The original parents did not do a great job of being in relationship with each other. However, my dad was super rigorous around his time with us, which, you know, late 70s, early 80s was every other weekend, two weeks in the summer, but he Mm -hmm. came to all of our things. So even though, I mean, I think about my dad, I was such a little shit to my dad so many times when he would show up to things and he never stopped. Mm -hmm. So shout out to my dad. Interestingly, my husband, his family of origin has a really similar story with divorces and remarriages. We've been together, he and I, for 27 years and married for 23 in August. And Kimberly, it is a lot of freaking work. It's a lot of work. (laughs) Yes, that's what they don't tell you at the altar. Oh, my God. It is not the glory days. We called it the summer of love, the summer of 1995, man. We just couldn't get enough of each other. Couldn't keep our hands off of each other. That is not how it looks here in 2022. What would you say are some of the biggest challenges and obstacles that the couples that, like you said, that you're attracting, Yeah, what are they facing? Yeah, the biggest thing is there's one spouse that wants out of the marriage for whatever reason. And at Marriage Helper, we teach that it's typically one of, one of two things overall. So people are typically either pushed out of a marriage or pulled out of a marriage. So they could be pushed out of a marriage because of the way that their spouse is treating them, because of demands at home, stress that's too much at home, not getting help with things, not being listened to. A lot of the things that we hear from women in particular is, I've been telling my husband for years that I'm unhappy, that he's not listening to me, that we need more intimacy. And he never listened. And I finally just got to the point where I was done. And because of his lack of interaction, it pushed me out of a marriage. So there's things like that, but then there's also the pull, which could be affairs, very common, especially the people that we work with. And if you look at the stats, anywhere from 30 to 50% of marriages will be affected by an affair. So people could be pulled by that or pulled by wanting to be a part of a different lifestyle than what they have now. Or sometimes they're pulled away by just wanting to have peace They're Mm -hmm. sick of all the fighting. They're sick of all the rigmarole going on. You can't even have a decent conversation and they're just pulled away from that. So that's typically what we see. So the people who are coming to us are the ones who are at this point saying, I want to save it. And Mm -hmm. maybe they're the ones who realize I've done everything wrong. And now I really want to change so that I can bring my spouse back. Or they're the ones saying, I don't know what I did, but they're Mm -hmm. gone And I want to try and bring them back, whether they're gone physically or emotionally. So that's what we deal with. Got it. And I just want to acknowledge this before we go on. I know that my listeners, there's a variety of family systems, Mm -hmm. you know, amongst the Joyful Courage community. And I know there's people in long-term partnerships that, you Mm -hmm. know, don't identify as married, but definitely identify as committed. Mm -hmm. I know that we have same-sex couples in the community. So everyone who's listening, just know I'm making an assumption by saying what we're talking about today applies to really any long-term committed relationship. Warmer, sunnier days are calling. Thank God, spring into summer is my favorite time of year. After turning 50 last September, I've been really working on my physical health and well-being and can honestly say that I am feeling better in my body than I have felt 
in a very long time. Yes, credit goes to movement and working out, but even more credit goes to how I'm feeding my body. That's why I love Factor. I fuel up with Factor's no prep, no mess meals, 35 different meal choices, and more than 60 add-ons to choose from every week, I always have a new flavor to explore. It's amazing. You can crush your wellness goals this May, keep time in the kitchen to a minimum, and enjoy effortless support for the lifestyle you want to be living with dietitian approved meals and ingredients you can trust from Factor. Head over to factormeals.com slash joyful50 and use the code joyful50 to get 50% off your first First box plus 20% off your next month. That's code joyful50 at factormeals.com slash joyful50. Again, that's 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month while your subscription is active. Yes, yes, yes. Join me. Join me in the health revolution and feel really good this summer. Hey friends, as a podcast listener myself, I always get so excited to share when I find a new show that I think is super useful. So today I want to tell you about Understood Explains. This is a podcast that tackles one important topic per season. And this season is all about navigating individualized education plans and is hosted by teacher and special education expert, Juliana Urtube. Getting the support our kids need in school can feel tricky, and we aren't always sure what it is that they need. When I listened to the episode titled, Does My Child Need an IEP? It offered up so much useful information that I could really see supporting parents who are in this consideration. The host is so knowledgeable and really breaks down the content in a way that helps listener go from completely overwhelmed to actually starting to feel empowered. Other episodes in the series highlight the difference between IEPs and 504 plans, as well as a whole episode that busts common myths about special education. To listen to Understood Explains, search for Understood Explains wherever you listen to podcasts. That's Understood Explains. So check it out. You won't be sorry. I've seen so many of my friends' relationships end in the last couple of years. And on one hand, it breaks my heart and there's a grief for the vision that they had and wanted. But on the other hand, I'm also noticing that I have a lot of friends who were not good pickers, Mm. you know, and I'm really curious about that too, but I'm going to ask you that later. So it's interesting to think about that. So there's the push and there's the pull. And then there's the one person inside of the relationship who's saying, no, I want to. Mm -hmm. There's a willingness to do the work. Mm -hmm. And when I was listening to your, a couple weeks ago, I think it was a show that you were talking about how to get our partners to understand us. And you had some great tips and tools about that. But one thing that I loved, so your co-host is your dad, right? Yeah, I love that. One thing that he said when he was talking about the workshops you all do is the intention that you all put into making sure that the partner who might not have been the one that signed the couple Mm -hmm. up for the workshop Mm -hmm. feels supported and seen and not ganged up on. Absolutely. It's key to what we do. Yeah. And I love that because, you know, Ben and I have done couples counseling 
And it's funny, even though I know how it's going to be, I still am like, okay, good. Somebody else is going to say it <laughs> in a nice. way that like works he it out. He will hear it. He will hear it and it will be as I want it to be. Right. And Kimberly, we have a great counselor because she is like, so Casey, yeah, here's where you can do some work. Here's where you can do some letting go. Here's, you know, and, and part of me is like, hey, Connie, F you, you know? <laughs> <laughs> I love it. But also, like, I know because of the work I do and my own personal growth, like, the only thing that I really have any control of is how I show up in my relationship, right? And that there is influence in how I show up. And so what are some things that you do in your workshops to support whichever one? Because I think that resistance is really real for people. Because I know for me, I feel like, but I'm always doing the work. Like I'm living and breathing the work. And sometimes I'm just tired of it and ready for him to step in and yeah. get evolved. Yeah. <laughs> right. Do the work himself. Yeah. So from the get-go, I mean, from the minute a couple walks in, if it's in person, if it's online, we try and mimic it as much as we can. But there's never a different way that we treat either spouse that shows up. And we don't know, like our team doesn't necessarily read the background information because we want to be able to treat both of them believing for their marriage and on equal ground. And then going into it, like you can tell, you can definitely tell on screen or in person, the people who aren't the ones that want to be there, but our team pushes through, we smile, we greet that person. We try and be a little bit more intentional about just saying, Hey, where are you from? You know, mm -hmm. how long did it take to get here? Did you enjoy your, you know, the hotel you're staying in or whatever it is just to break up and start to build rapport. It's so important because that person needs to start feeling like you're not going to judge them for whoever mm -hmm. they are. But the key to it is that we do not allow anyone in our workshop to say anything negative about their spouse at any point. Mm -hmm. They can say anything about themselves and they can say anything positive about their spouse, but they cannot say anything negative. And we shut it down if they do. So mm -hmm. we make it a safe environment. We don't let you know, some of the times in counseling, one of the issues, and I understood it because I did my training in marriage and family therapy, but you get a spouse who goes off on a tangent and maybe her husband is sitting right there next to her listening. And the counselor many times will let that person vent, maybe even try and dig into why those feelings are that way. We don't do any of that. We say, let's focus on the future. Let's remember the good things of the past. I'm not saying that we don't cover and deal with the issues that are there. We do but we do it in a way where you're not beating each other up. You're not throwing another person under the bus and you're not sharing anything negative with your spouse. And we have found that to be extremely effective in being able for that spouse to feel safe. So then both spouses feel safe. And then over time of the three days, that reluctant spouse, they begin to see other people open up. They mm -hmm. begin to see that everyone is dealing with issues like we are. Maybe we're not alone. And all of that put together allows for change to happen in the marriage, in both spouses, but especially the one who didn't want to be there at all. Yeah. I love that. It reminds me of the power of being in a parenting class. You know, I lead a lot of parenting classes. Yeah. And when we start off by listing the challenges that are currently alive in the house with the kids, everybody's kind of looking around like, oh, I don't live in my own private freak show. Like this right? is what adolescence looks like. Yeah, it's really, really powerful. 
So I'm hearing you say in that group, like there's a nurturing of willingness there, right? I'm so interested in this concept of willingness. And when I'm working with parents, one of the questions I encourage them to ask their teens, because typically that's the relationship we're focusing on, Mm -hmm. who might be struggling, getting clear about, well, what is it that you want? So like a child who's like from the parent's perspective, isn't putting effort into school, you know, what do you want? Do you want to move into the next grade with everyone else? Is graduation important to you? And then following with once you've figure that out, right, from a very neutral, neutral, non-attached place, what do you think it'll take to get there, Mm -hmm. moving that energetic responsibility over to our teen and encouraging them to see past the power struggle Mm -hmm. and into their own experience. And it actually came up recently in a call I was on with some moms around asking partners, well, how do you want this to look? What do you want? How do you want this partnership to feel? And what do you think we need to do to get there? What do you think about those questions? As the willing partner who wants to engage in the conversation, what do you think about that as an opening? Yeah, it depends on the state of the relationship at the time of the question. So in the situations we work with, where there's one spouse who wants out, they're totally disengaged, that kind of scenario, we wouldn't necessarily encourage our clients to start with that question because they're not willing. We know they're not willing. Right. right? No. But before we get there, like when it's just the tension exists and we're in this rut and we're, you know, the willing parent or the willing partner who's just feeling like, I can't, this isn't how I want it to be. Yeah. And it can't, I mean, it can't be how they want it to be. How does it feel in that scenario? It is so wise to, instead of assuming what another person wants, to ask them, what is it? And to not do it with a leading question or to do it to only hear what you want to hear or to beat them up for what they say that you don't want to hear. But when you really approach it with that curiosity and your tone mimics that, your body language mimics that so that they trust that's the intention, that is such a powerful question. And then you start to hear each other. You start listening to them, Mm -hmm. hearing them, adding that in, like finding compromise. Compromise from that is so key. I think where people get stuck, though, is they will ask these questions like, what do you want our parenting life to look like? How do you want to parent our kids? Whatever those questions might be, you would know better how to ask them than me. But they typically start and enter that question with, I already have my plan and I just want to tell you my plan. Yeah. Right. And that doesn't work. Right. It's a disrespectful. It's like, yeah. it's a formula. Same thing with our kids. Like, you know, I have a high schooler and I say, well, what do you want? Well, I want to graduate. Well, do you want to go to college? Yeah, I want to go to college. Okay. Do you have a list of the ones that you're interested in? Yeah. Let's take a look at how you're doing and what their requirements are. And, you know, and okay, well, I don't want to go to those schools. Like, I have to be willing in this conversation to stand next to my child. Right. Mm -hmm. And look at the situation and be an acceptance of what it is that he wants to do. And then when I put that in the context of my husband, like I love what you said about being you didn't say neutral, but I would use the word neutral around what their response is like, well, what do you want? Well, I want you to stop being such a bitch. That's great feedback. Right. And that's where I, again, get to be in my personal growth and willing to be like, okay, this is feedback versus, well, I wouldn't be such a bitch if you weren't such a dick (laughs) or, you know, like, and then all of a sudden the conversation's over, right? And we're right back to where we were. Absolutely. 
How do you support couples in like being inside of the feedback from each other in a way that they can receive it and hear it and their defenses can be softened, I guess? Mm, ma, wow. Yeah, that's a great question. A lot of it goes to when people understand, when you can get a spouse to understand the concept of that, like, I feel like this sounds so simple that I kind of am like, is this even the right answer? But once you kind of explain to someone like, listen, people sometimes say things to you and they don't filter it and it's not going to be easy to hear, but you don't Mm -hmm. have to react to that. Mm -hmm. You can take what is true and leave what is not. You get to choose how to react. Mm -hmm. One of my pet peeves is when people say, well, they made me do this. Mm Because no one makes you do anything. Mm -hmm. You choose how to react based on what they did. And I believe it takes practice. It takes practice of being able to hear someone say something to you you don't want to hear or feedback that was difficult, taking some deep breaths, and maybe at that point, just smiling and saying, thank you for your feedback. I need time to process this. Like You don't have to finish the conversation in that moment. So there's a bunch of tools that can really help people do that. But some of those tools people might shove off and say like, oh, that's so simple. But those things like taking deep breaths, disconnecting from the conversation, circling back to it at a later time, all of that is helpful in being able to take Mm -hmm. that feedback. But another thing I would say, I wanted to circle back to it when we were talking about compromise. And you know, if you're asking your spouse, how do you want things to be? What would you picture it to be like? Are you familiar with Gottman's circle method? I should be because our therapist is a Gottman therapist. Remind me of what the Gottman circle method is. Super simple. So take parenting as an example, parenting Mm -hmm. technique and have each person identify there's two circles. If there's one circle in the middle and then a big circle on the outside of it, then that middle circle is this is my core need. Mm -hmm. This is where I'm rigid. This is where I'm inflexible. This is my core need. But you try and make that inner circle as small as possible. Mm-hmm. And then there's the circle outside of it that you want to make as big as possible, which is this is where I'm flexible. This is where maybe I have some preferences or things like that, but we can work with this circle. And then once both people have that, you start to see where can the circles overlap mm-hmm. and where can we have both people's core needs be met. And the way to do that is also by finding the flexibility between the two. Mm-hmm. And so when you're both able to go into that conversation, realizing We both want to have our core needs met and both of us are going to seek to help the other person get our core need met. So I don't have to defend it as much as I feel like I need to defend it. Then that is when real productive conversation and outcomes can come. Yeah. Oh, I love that. Gottman circle method. Yeah. I think that's the quote unquote technical (laughs) term. I'm sure. Sounds very technical, Kimberly. I'm sure if you Google that. (laughs) It will come up. (laughs) Something will come up and we can play with that. Oh, I love that. And I'm, and so you said with parenting, uh, intimacy, graphic to kind of take a look at where each person's at and where to find the. You can put movie night. You can put whatever it is, whatever it is you're having trouble (laughs) agreeing on. You can put in this mindset. Well, and parenting's a big one. Like I said at the start, you know, I remember when the kids were little and doing, I love to read and learn and okay, I know it's going to be tough. These early years, man, are intense. 
And then as my oldest moved into high school and things got really hard with her, that was the first time we went to couples counseling. Mm -hmm. And our therapist at that time said, the best thing you can do for your kids as they move through adolescence is one, get a life. And two, work on the relationship you have with each other. Like she said that straight off the bat, which was really helpful. And it's so wild to look back at that time because in the last four or five years, we've been through the gauntlet of life crisis, including the pandemic, but even aside from the pandemic, that we've had to learn and grow through and all of which I'm grateful for, none of which I would have asked for. And I'm a positive discipline trainer. So that's my background. It's based in Adlerian theory. I know since you're a psychologist, you probably know what that means. Mm -hmm. We center relationship and life skills and room to grow and learn from mistakes. That's the philosophy. And it also isn't typically how many of us, let alone my clients, were parented through their adolescence. But, you know, if they come to me and find me, you know, I attract people who value that and want to bring it into their parenting. And one thing that comes up and I could see how the circle method would be useful. One thing that comes up is when one parent is really excited by this style of parenting and becomes, Mm -hmm. you know, evangelical about it sometimes. And the other parent sees, you know, the behaviorist approach that most of us were raised with around consequences and rewards as the way to go. So, I mean, you kind of just gave us a tool for this, but I would love to know anything else that you can add what parents can do to find common ground when it comes to how to respond Mm -hmm. to the roller coaster and the rough terrain, which simply is the teen years. My kids have not gotten to the teen years yet, but I can tell you I'm here for you. Don't worry. Oh my gosh. Actually, I was a very well-behaved teenager, but I was just very sassy. So, Mm -hmm. (laughs) so I feel for my parents, but yeah, another thing that, is always really interesting is typically when someone is passionate about something and especially parenting, if they're passionate about something, it's typically because of a story from their past. So there's something that they're relating to or something that they're wanting to maybe mimic of a way that they were raised that they believe for a certain reason is the right way. Or maybe, maybe not as consciously, but maybe more subconsciously, it's just what comes out when they're angry or irritated because it's what was shown to them. Yeah. Yeah. But it's always fascinating when you start to get your spouse to open up about stories, like tell me about your childhood. Tell me about what you loved that you would do with your parents or what would really frustrate you or how do you want to be a parent based on those experiences Mm -hmm. you had from your childhood. Those can kind of sound like questions that a therapist might ask you, But if you ask them in the right way, very conversational, loving, like actually being interested, you will begin to learn a lot about why your spouse feels so strongly in the way that they do. That may not necessarily get you, you know, for them to buy into your ways immediately. But if you can begin seeing where they're coming from, a couple of things happen. The first is empathy. Mm -hmm. And that can at least get you or, you know, I'll even talk about it in the sense of me, if this was me and Rob then it would at least be able to get me to calm down enough to have some compassion for my husband and empathy with him and not see him as my enemy. Mm -hmm. And that's key. I need to be able to see Rob as being on my team and that I'm on his team. And when we begin to see ourselves as teammates, that's when we want to work together, but he's not going to want to work together with me if I'm constantly fighting him or against him or disrespecting him 
or trying to talk over him or going behind his back and parenting in ways that, you know, if he said something to the kids, like do it this way. And then I come back around and I'm like, actually, no, do it my way. That's not going to work, especially for the kids. Like they need to see consistency in the parents. And so that's one tip. Use those stories, gain some empathy. And then it also helps you to understand, okay, how can I talk to them in a way they can hear me and understand me Mm -hmm. now that I understand where they're coming from? Oh, hey, everybody. It's us, Blair and Molly, your old pals from Toddler Purgatory, two moms who are also actors, who are also creative beings, who sometimes feel stuck. And now we're back with a whole new podcast about unsticking it, launching in January. What happens when life gets in the way of our creativity instead of nourishing it? We talk to all sorts of guests about how to break through the mucky, gluey, sticky wall that can get between you and your creativity. We hear about their journeys, their successes, their challenges, and even their bougie coffee shop orders. So join us, won't you, as we deep dive into how to unstick ourselves from the life gunk that can get in the way of our creative freedom. Get out of there, life gunk. Let us help you get back to your best creative self. Look for Unsticking It with Blair and Molly. Wherever you listen to podcasts starting in January. Unsticking It with Blair and Molly. Because sometimes life sucks. When it comes to raising kids, there's so much to consider. Things like, what do we feed them? When do we feed them? How do they sleep? What does it look like to raise kind kids? How does their nervous system work? How do I keep myself calm? What are my triggers? There's so much that comes into play, and we are distilling all of that information for you at Voices of Your Village podcast, where we bring experts in the field of early childhood and education and psychology and across the board so that you don't have to comb the internet for information. You get to show up and hang out and have shame-free, judgment-free conversations and insights into what it looks like to raise kind, empathetic, emotionally intelligent humans. I'm Alyssa Blask Campbell. I have a master's degree in early childhood education. I'm a mom of two, and I am walking this journey right alongside you doing this work. Come hang out with me at Voices of Your Village, and we can dive into real conversations with actionable tips. Yeah. And you used the word consistency. And I'm really interested in this because I think there's this idea. I know that there's an idea that comes up for parents where the belief that both parents need to have the same parenting style. I don't think that's true. I think that if the couple can problem solve and work together and respect each other and reflect, Mm -hmm. I think that kids understand like, hey, dad's more easygoing, mom's more rigid. That might not be my house, or maybe it is. Or mom's more easygoing, dad's more rich. Like they learn who we are, how our personalities are. Mm -hmm. And as a psychologist, do you think that that's okay? I have never thought about it until just now. I think this is a fascinating question because I've never thought about it. But it's true. I mean, so growing up, my parents had different parenting style. Well, actually, they probably had a similar parenting style, but my mother never followed through. The delivery. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. The delivery was always put over to my dad. But you know what? They were consistent in showing they loved me. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And that, I believe, made all the difference. You know, whether they would handle my discipline differently, which they totally did. I was way more scared of what my dad 
when I got to be a teenager, my dad would make me pick my own punishment. That mm. was the worst. <laughs> I just got grounded for like months. It was awful and boring. Oh my gosh. Well, <laughs> I think I punished myself worse than what they would have because I'm like, I have to make it equal to the crime or whatever it was. I lost my phone for a lot, a lot of times. But Oh, you sweet girl. You must be very young. We were so far from phones as teenagers. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's not true. Maybe it was the phone in your room. Because I, I had a phone, a phone in, my in my room. room. I did yeah. have a phone in my room. Yeah. Did you have your own line? Yes, I, I own... did. That's crazy to think. Well, not necessarily because now they all have their own, you know, line. Yeah. But anyway. So I would agree. I would agree that yeah, the parents can be different, but they should be consistent in the love of the child. Mm -hmm. And one thing I heard you say on a podcast that you did with your dad about the statistics around mm -hmm. kids of divorce, which was mm -hmm. pretty darn mind blowing. Mm -hmm. One of the things that you said is household with conflict doesn't have to be a terrible thing. Right. right? And I love this because our kids learn problem solving, compromise, yep you know, mutual respect by watching the relationship of their parents or the relationship that, you know, if it's a single parent household, the relationships that that parent has with the other people in their lives. I would think that a household with no conflict or it's hidden behind closed doors is not actually ideal for kids. Right. You know, and I'm thinking about a couple of girlfriends of mine. Sometimes leaving a partnership is moving towards survival. And so... What are some indicators? I don't know if you can really answer this question, but I also want to know, because I'm sure people are listening who are like, you know what? Reconciliation, figuring it out, this all sounds good, and it's just not in the cards for us. You know, what are those indications that it is time for a partnership to come to an end as far as an end to living and being together in space? So... I will say it first that one of the stances that Marriage Helper has is we do believe that any marriage can be saved. That doesn't necessarily mean that every marriage will be saved. Okay. And one of the main things, so if you're looking at, is it time to divorce? Is it time to move on? We would never tell you when that is because mm -hmm. we believe that is a decision every person should make for themselves because they're the only person that will experience the effects of it. But you need to get to safety if mm -hmm. you are in any kind of a physical or emotional abusive circumstances. You need to get your kids to safety. You need to get to safety, number one. Absolutely. And then how do you know if a marriage is salvageable? Yeah. So I recommend that you work to try and save it. And just because your spouse isn't interested necessarily right now, or maybe even if they're done, they want a divorce. I still believe that there's positive things you can do to work on yourself, to do your best to work on the marriage so that you will know at the end of this, I did everything I could mm -hmm. and I have no regrets about that. We've seen so many couples or so many people, the individuals that we get to work with who said, you know what, I did all of these things and it didn't work for my marriage, but I have hope for my future. Mm -hmm. I know that I have the tools I need to have a healthy relationship with my kids now, to have a healthy future relationship. I have peace about the closure of this relationship. And I think that is a key for people. They need to have peace. Mm -hmm. If you're at peace about the fact that it's your decision and you have decided that it is time for you to move on for whatever circumstance there is, then that's a good indicator. 
for you to have peace. But if you don't have peace, if there's still a part of you questioning or wondering or wishing or thinking, then work on it, work on you, work on doing what you can to hopefully try and bring your spouse back. But at the end of the day, you could do everything perfectly and they can still choose to leave. And that's not because you aren't good enough. So it's about that's an important statement. Everyone just hit that little rewind 10 second button and listen to Kimberly say that as well. Mm -hmm. Because I think we take so much ownership, too much ownership, whether it's, you know, about our partnerships or because I say the same thing about parenting, like you can do all the quote, right things Mm -hmm. and show up, you know, as a grounded, centered, attuned parent and your kids are still moving out into the world and making decisions and choices as they do. And so the messiness is not an indication that you're unworthy or not enough or not doing the right things all the time. I do think we influence and we are part of a dynamic, but Mm -hmm. yes, that was really powerful. That's really powerful. Oh my gosh. I can't believe how fast time has gone by. I want to know. I mean, I want to talk about narcissism. I want, what was the (laughs) other thing I want to talk about? Oh, I know. So I do have a lot of people in my community that are co-parenting and meaning their child's other parent doesn't live with them. Mm -hmm. And that relationship can be, Mm -hmm. you know, either healthy or unhealthy. Yeah. What advice do you have for someone who's co-parenting and really discouraged by the way that their co-parent partner is showing up for their kids or not showing up? I've never had to be a co-parent. And I mean... Rob and I parent together. We're not in a situation where we're separate. And so it is hard. It is hard. I see that it's hard from the people that I know, from my friends that have done it and listening to my mom talk about what it was like when her and my dad were divorced. So like grace to you, right? Because it is not an easy situation to be in. One of the worst things that can happen for a child is for their parents to be separate and continue to fight all of the time. And so what I would encourage is that if that's your situation where you're not on the same page and there is a lot of fighting and you just can't stand them and the decisions that they make, I understand your kids don't need to bear the weight of that because of many reasons. Number one, there's part of that that they're going to take on themselves of, is this somehow my fault? Or since they are my dad or they are my mom, am I like that? Is mom mad at me or is dad mad at me? And the kid doesn't want to be and should not be caught in the middle of it to where they feel like they have to keep secrets from the other because, well, mom just said all these terrible things about dad. Should I tell him? Should I not? And they start to not feel safe. Mm -hmm. The kids need to just have a safe place, whether it's at mom's house or dad's house or whoever's house, they need to know that they are loved and that they are not the cause of anything happening between the two parents. And so I would encourage people to keep that in the front of their mind. Don't talk bad about the other parent in front of your kids. This can be hard because if one doesn't show up when they're supposed to, it's like, what do I tell my kid? You tell them that you're there for them and you ask them how they're feeling and you listen. It's not your job to make excuses for the other parent. It's not your job to be their PR person, Mm -hmm. but it is your job to love the child and to try and keep the parenting relationship as amicable as you can. Mm -hmm. Thank you for that. Kimberly, you are so useful. You're just such a useful well of information and knowledge. I definitely feel like a part two needs to happen because I have more questions. And 
You know, I think about parenting as this, I was just saying recently, how the parenting journey is a personal growth and development workshop that you don't realize that you've bought a ticket to, right? (laughs) It's like, oh, if you're paying attention, right? If you're willing to look at it like that. But I also think, you know, even for people that don't choose into the parenting journey or aren't on the parenting journey, partnerships are also a place that are so ripe for personal growth and development. And I'm really hearing you over and over, you know, looking at ourselves and growing ourselves and taking care of ourselves is such a powerful piece to tending to the relationships in our lives. So absolutely. Thank you so much for that. That's it. There it is. Mic drop. Mic drop. So good. Anything else that you want to share with the listeners before we wrap up? Mm. Going off what you just said, Casey, I mean, that it really is true. Even when you look at the research, which is really cool to be able to see that when a person works on their own personal development, their own self-esteem, their own self-confidence, it has positive correlational impacts on their relationships that they have. And so I encourage you to not feel guilty for taking time to do this transformative work, to do this personal development work, to do some self-care, because it is what will allow you to show up well for the people in your life who need you. Yeah. You can either intentionally do personal growth and development or because you're growing and developing regardless. So you might as well be intentional about it, right? You might as well grow the <laughs> right way. <laughs> yeah, you might, you might as well not be in reaction to everything that's happening. Yeah. So this is my last question I always end my interviews with, Kimberly. What does joyful courage mean to you? Joyful courage means being able to move forward, even if I'm scared, even if I'm nervous, even if I have anxiety, which I have a lot of anxiety. I've had anxiety since I was six, but being able to do so knowing I'm supported by people that love me. And even if I fall or even if I fail, my self-worth isn't caught up in whatever that thing is. My worth is given to me by the people I love Mm. and the life that I have. Mm, I love that. Where can people find you and follow you Talk about yourself. MarriageHelper.com. We have a ton of articles, videos, tons of videos on YouTube as well. We also have a free mini course on how to get your spouse back. If that is the situation that any of you listeners are in, then you just go to MarriageHelper.com. There's a tab right at the top that says free course, and you can get that immediately. And you have a podcast. I do. I yes, we have podcast. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> we have three podcasts, but we have Relationship Radio, which is all about marriage and relationships. We talk about parenting some, but it really is more of a marriage relationship podcast. Then I have my podcast, which Casey has been on and loved that interview with her. It's called It Starts With Attraction, which is all about becoming your best self. And then we have a quick tips podcast, which is just shorter marriage tips that you can find wherever you listen to podcasts. Uh, And I just realized I forgot to ask you about the four stages of love. So we're definitely going to bring you back. Yeah, that's a whole, I know itself is a whole conversation. Okay, teaser, everyone. Kimberly is going to come back and talk to us about the four stages of love. I'm so excited. Thank you so much for spending time with me today. This was so great. Anytime, Casey. Thank you so much for having me. Yay. All right. Thank you again for listening in to another show. Please check the show notes for any links mentioned in this episode. 
If you liked what you heard today, will you do me a favor and share it? Screenshot the show, plaster it all over your socials so that other parents know that we are creating value over here for them. If you really want to earn a gold star, head to Apple Podcasts and leave us a review. This does so much for the show, for the exposure. It's a great way to give back. Thank you to my team at Sproutable for all your support. Alana, Julieta, I love you so much. Thank you to Chris Mann and the team at Podshaper for keeping the show sounding so good. And you, listener, thank you for continuing to show up. This is hard work that we're doing. I encourage you in this moment, in this moment together, let's take a deep breath in and follow that into your body. Hold it for a moment. Exhale. And with that exhale, release the tension. And I invite you to trust. Trust that everything is going to be okay. I'm so happy to support you. So glad to have spent time with you today. I'll see you next week. No one told us the truth about parenthood. Why? This is the podcast everyone needed before they had kids because now that those little ones are here, whew, there is a lot to unpack. I'm Rachel Shepardota, and I am your host for the podcast, No One Told Us, where we tell the truth about parenting and let you in on all the stuff you really should have known about before having kids. I am the founder of Hey Sleepy Baby, but this podcast is so much more than sleep. We'll be diving into all the topics that you really care about and need to know while you do your best job raising those adorable, tidy humans. Our goal is to just make you feel less alone and less overwhelmed. There are so many things that no one tells us before becoming a parent, and I think that we should really pull back the curtain on becoming a first-time or second-time mom or dad to share the good, the bad, and the ugly. We'll have a little education, a little fun, and a whole lot of heart that goes into each and every episode. So join me and our amazing guests each week to hear us talk about what no one told us.